lucky in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from his slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise hi there and welcome to episode 14 of turning tracks my name is matt and i'm chris and we're here to talk about the music we love if you've been listening to the show regularly you've probably become accustomed to our format but on today's show, we take a slight departure from the norm. The hallmark of a great sitcom is a holiday-themed episode, and Turning Tracks is no different. If your costume this year is an all-black outfit with matching mask and gloves, then you must be an invisible pedestrian. And you've come to the right place, because today we are listening to Halloween music. Hey, Chris. Hello, Matt. <laughs> you know, I fought the urge. I see you, uh, you were not as strong. I fight no urges. <laughs> I embrace them all. <laughs> Every single one of them. <laughs> and that's what it's I appreciate appreciates about you. Is that what she appreciates about me? <gasps> oh, yeah. <You> al- mm, <laughs> allegedly. All right. I like these in-jokes. And real quick, I don't know if you caught my in-joke at the top about the invisible pedestrian. I read it, but I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh... Dan Aykroyd as Erwin Mainway of Mainway Products. It's a sketch from Saturday Night Live where they have it's a consumer report with Jane Curtin and she's going through all his costumes and how they're dangerous for kids. And the first one, the first one is one of them is uh, she's like, and what about the invisible pedestrian? It's an all black outfit with (laughs) black gloves and matching masks. And he's like, yeah, you go out in the night and you're you're invisible. He's like, (laughs) What a, and I there's another line too, and I think it's the same thing. She's like, she's like, what about you know blind kids? And he's like, what? It says not for blind kids, and he flips it over. It says, see, and it right was written not for blind kids. It's like brilliant, <laughs> such brilliant. It's like when I think Halloween, that's what I think. Uh, <laughs> anyway, how's things been? I think it's been things have been going uh going pretty okay. Yeah, it's been it's been a good week. It's just Karen's birthday this this week. We just got back Some- from her. Uh, birthday breakfast without kids, which was wonderful. Oh, We've got all of great. our Halloween decorations have been up all month long. We've got the trunk or treat for the kids this Friday, tr- trick or treating proper on Tuesday. We're all we're all ready for the season. That's awesome. I I haven't had trick or treaters in the last twelve years, fourteen years. Wow. I don't know. I see kids on the avenue. On Halloween, they're all, you know, dressed up and whatnot. Parents are with them and they don't they don't come to my building. So I don't know. Huh. And then me and my wife end up eating all the candy. So. Well, I, I've been uh, I've been trying to entice a, a larger turnout starting last year. I started giving out full size candy bars. Oh, you're the full size house. I like, that. I mean, the we were I was buying like the big bag of like, you know, 70 mm-hmm. pieces of candy or something. And I was like, we're not getting anywhere near this many kids. We usually only see like maybe 20 kids tops like that and that like a lot that, not 20 visits but like you know groups of kids like 20 yeah. total children and i'm like well this box of full-size candy bars like 30 is the same price as this bag of like 75 mm. mini guys just so smart. let's just do that and make the few kids who do take the trek out to our house it's like we're on the corner it's just like there's like two blocks down, there's this road of like rich people houses that go bug nuts for Halloween. So I'm pretty sure that's just where everyone goes. It's like mm-hmm. they just go up and down that block. But 
we've got a lot of really stupid inflatables in front of our house and we're on a corner. So like, <laughs> like people stop and look at our house, <laughs> which is yeah. fun. Uh, and, but like, it just never really sees a whole lot of traffic, which is more or less fine by me. If I get a smaller group and I get to give out big candy bars, I just sat at a fire pit in front of the house and I just sit by myself with the dog, have a frozen pizza for dinner and play switch while, uh, kids occasionally come by. <laughs> Did somebody say heaven? Yes, yeah, yeah, please. It's pretty much great as long as the weather holds up. It's yeah, it's 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 a miraculous evening. And uh, Karen always takes the kids out out because she's more of the Halloween person than I am. She's like uh, really into the really 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 into Halloween. Yeah. Uh, we, well, unfortunately, uh, one of our inflatables died this year. Well, it died last year, which was a huge bummer. We had huh. the um the uh the the sandworm from Beetlejuice. I remember like, that. Yeah. Like 10 feet tall. Yeah. Fan totally died. They wouldn't do anything to replace it. We only had it up for one season. Just such a bummer. Yeah. Do you still so have it? I still have it. We haven't gotten rid of it yet, but it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that I can repair. Like it's just outside of my capabilities to repair. Mm. Even if I could get a replacement fan, I don't really understand the wiring of like, cause it's got lights and all this stuff inside of it. It's like, I don't think I can actually do this. I haven't gotten rid of it yet. I haven't completely abandoned hope, but we did replace it this year. Uh, <clears throat> Boscov's was having a sale on this like 10 foot tall dragon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've, uh, we, we now have a, a, a small dragon family in the, the front of the house. So Aww. we have the big, big dragon. My favorite one is the middle. So used to be the big dragons. Now the middle sized dragon, which has this cool, like, light show kind of thing going on inside of it so like all the the parts that light up have this cool like wavy effect to them which is really cool and then we have this little tiny baby dragon which is cute the lights went out in it but if he's around the other dragons it's fine and then we have our little graveyard and a, a spooky light that shines on the house we have a jack skellington uh inflatable which was my birthday present to karen last year we have a spooky tree next to that one and then my favorite one is a I want to say 12 foot. It's a 12 foot tall ghost Jeez. that flashes on and off that I just can't believe doesn't piss off all my neighbors, but they think it's great. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they're neighbors. They're nice to your face. <laughs> I like apologized for, for, for to the, we moved neighbors moved in across the street from it last year. And I was like, I hope this ghost doesn't bother. He's like, Oh man, that thing's awesome. <laughs> like, Oh, okay, cool. We're in leave the back it. of the house anyway. Leave it to it. Leave, leave us to it. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Halloween, man. Halloween. Yeah. I love it. Um, and we need yeah. we need good Halloween music. I've been listening to my uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night record a lot. Uh, that's a good one. Yep. And I've I've added our uh, Waveback Spooky Special uh, playlist that we, we came up with. I added that stuff to my uh, my ongoing Halloween video game music. Uh, listening extravaganza so I'm, I'm excited about this because this is little, this is outside of my purview by like a lot yeah and some cool like that. some cool <laughs> halloween music once i saw the track listing i was like the two or three songs i knew i was like oh that's a good one so i'm awesome i'm, I'm really excited about this all right so for anyone who's new to the show, here's how it works. Each episode, either Chris or myself picks a band or an artist. That person then chooses 10 tracks and 10 tracks only that they believe best represents that band or artist. We listen to them, we discuss them, and that's how it goes. Now, that's not what we're doing tonight. <laughs> that is not what we're doing today. Correct. 
uh, we talked about this, and I, I jumped at the chance of doing the Halloween episode because on our other show, The Wave Back, we do holiday specials. We do have a Halloween episode, which is um, a spooky special, which you should totally go listen to. It's a lot of fun. Video game music, great. Um, there has been winter episodes and and so forth. So I even liked our Black Friday episode. I'm not going to lie. It was one of my favorites. That was so we, much fun. All the shop, the shopkeeper music is just yeah, fantastic. I loved that. Yeah. Um, maybe we need to redo it again. But anyway, uh, that's a that's a podcast for another podcast. Believe me, I've thought about says. it, but it's like, how do I come up with a whole other playlist of shop music? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of video games coming out yeah, every day. So we could do but, it. But uh, that's a show for another show. So right. I jumped at the chance because I felt that this was going to give me a good opportunity to showcase some music. So I'm going to read what I wrote. I think it encapsulates what I was thinking a little bit about this list. This is in no way a definitive list of music that encapsulates Halloween. It is instead a list of songs that I have put together when tasked with creating a list of quote unquote Halloween music. Let's face it. Christmas gets all the love when it comes to holiday music. Jingle Bells, 12 Days of Christmas, Mariah Carey, etc. No other holiday gets that kind of love, and I find it criminal. But let me stop myself before I get on my soapbox. Simply put, I love Halloween. Maybe Karen loves it just a hair more. I don't know. I don't have a yard to put inflatable uh, decorations. (laughs) That may change someday. It's that magical time of year where the outside matches my insides. The air is cool and crisp, and I have a hoodie on. This episode also affords me a great opportunity to showcase some artists that I enjoy, but but may not have enough material to flesh out an entire 10-track episode. So today's list is going to be a very eclectic mix of music. I shudder at the thought of using the term one-hit wonders, but there may also be one or two of them sprinkled in here for good measure. Uh, I just realized I wrote the word shudder, and it's a Halloween episode, so <laughs> points uh-huh. to me. Um, I also wanted to stay away from the kitschy picks, which would include the entire Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. But as great as that soundtrack is... <laughs> I'm laughing because you opened the episode with the monster man. <laughs> Damn it, Chris. <laughs> because as great as that soundtrack is, it's really just shooting fish in a lock, shock and barrel. But <laughs> as you may have noticed, we opened the show with the monster mash by Bobby Pickett and the crypt kickers. And I, I know what you're thinking, <laughs> but Matt, that's as kitschy as it gets. And you're right. But how else was I supposed to start the show? Chris, <laughs> everything i ruined christmas i mean halloween (laughs) you can't see it but i'm staring a hole right through my computer screen (laughs) it's coming through the internet yes chris i I love you and that was fantastic thank you (laughs) totally unplanned read the script (laughs) totally unplanned (laughs) i don't read your scripts why should you read mine (laughs) and that's evident by all the outtakes so (laughs) anyway so yes i opened up the show with the Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt kicker, uh, Crypt Kickers. Every time I said this out loud, I always ruined it. Crypt Kickers. Look, it's quintessential Halloween, right? I swear if you go to a Halloween party and you don't hear the Monster Mash, you're uh, fully uh, obligated to riot. Like It's true. My, it's my daughter's song, been, been into the Monster Mash and Flying Purple People Eater. Seem to be her big ones for this year. Well, Flying Purple People Eater is also a song that appears on a lot of quote-unquote Halloween music lists. So, you know, there's a bunch of them out there, right? I went into this kind of like, well, what would I be doing on Halloween? 
my younger version of me would be, you know, either at the Halloween parade in the village, which was always a, a wild time, tons of music, tons of creativity, amazing costumes, great camaraderie. It was a lot of fun. I would either uh, be there. I'd be at a goth club because it was the late 90s um, <laughs> or early 2000s. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I st- my brain just starts swirling with all kinds of stuff. And so this is to me an amalgamation of like what I would hear at a goth club, what I would want to hear if I was hanging out at home, uh, at the parade, at a, at a house party with friends, whatever. It, it, it's 10 tracks that is an absolute amalgamation of all of that. So. We're just going to dive right in. The first song comes from like the great grandfathers of goth, industrial, you know, new wave. Uh, they 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 are the top of the tree in, in a lot of circles of people. I'm speaking, of course, about Bauhaus. Um, the song we're going to listen to is Bella Lugosi's Dead from <laughs> one of the best record titles I've ever heard. Press eject and give me that tape. Because <laughs> that's how I read it. Because I assume someone's like, turn that crap off. Oh, and by the way, this episode features uh music that does have curses in it. So if you're listening and you don't want your, you know, you're listening with your kids or something and you don't want them to hear it, uh, you know, Fuck maybe you. you... <laughs> Holy shit, Chris! <laughs> you came out of the gate hot. <laughs> I was just saying. Be... You don't I was want to hear be... the curse words. Well, then fuck off. <laughs> I was going to be diplomatic about it, but I guess <laughs> fuck off. This is so weird. It's a weird role reversal. It's my episode, but you're playing my part. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. It's Bauhaus. It's Bella Lugosi's Dead, and it's on right now. Thank you. 
Alright, that was Bela Lugosi's Dead by the Bauhaus off of 1982's Press Eject and Give Me the Tape. Um, I guess I should have proofed that one a little bit more because I didn't remember it being nine minutes. But <laughs> I was going to say it was a pretty bold way of kicking off the episode, but I'm into bold. <laughs> Here we are. So, Chris, tell me about it. <laughs> well, it was certainly nine and a half minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, was the yeah, most was. rim shots I've heard in a nine and a half minute time period uh, in mm -hmm. quite some time. And I just listened to uh, the Mighty Mighty Boston's Let's Face It album yesterday. So that's, that's really saying cool. something. Uh, I, all I could think is I wonder what Chris would do if he had to play nine minutes of this. <laughs> like, how bored would you be? I would just start spacing out. I'd start yeah. doing weird things. Yeah. I tended to... I, I, that, was, that was my big drawback as a drummer was i did tend to get bored and then over flourish when i needed mm. when i needed to be in the background i would like i had to focus on not being an ass <laughs> <laughs> oh hell because i'd be like man i should do something here i should do something no i shouldn't do something it's time for it, the, the whole point is just for me to keep the rhythm so that they can showcase what they do mm -hmm. i'm bored and i want to do something dumb <laughs> uh, in case you were wondering why we weren't actually a successful band i think it was my fault uh no, no. i this was a good time this is a good time i i i feel like bella lugosi would have enjoyed this um bella lugosi of course the famous actor who you know portrayed dracula i know nothing about the guy but i feel like uh if somebody were to write a nine and a half minute song about me being dead but not like celebrating me being dead, just like, you know, kind of pointing it out that I'm dead. Yeah, right. I feel okay with that. So, um, That's, yeah. yeah, it was That's a it. very, very nice, interesting, spooky piece. I know you don't love the word spooky. It's just, it's, uh, it's okay. That's, uh, let's say, um, it's, you know what? It, I prefer spooky to spoopy. I've never been a big fan of that word. Um, 
What? You never heard the word spoopy before? That's a real word. Oh my god, people use it all the time. They're like, oh, it's spoopy season. Like, what is what does that mean? Would you stop is that, it, please? Is it something like someone made a, a meme and wrote spoopy instead of spooky and then it became nomenclature? It's I have no idea. Maybe. It seemed like a young person thing. And that's not yeah. me. But I had a yeah, neither me. I had a friend who once claimed to uh have coined the term huggle. And this was like twenty years ago, you know, I don't when know that, what that I don't even know that word. It was like a derivative of hug. I I don't even know. It, it, internet. It was weird. The internet's a weird place. Here we are on the internet, the weird place. Listening okay. to according to Merriam Webster, no. spoopy is Amusing internet slang describing cute, comical, or silly versions of typically spooky subject matter, such as go. ghosts and skeletons. Cute dog in a sh- in a sheet ghost costume. That's spoopy. Thanks. Uh, I hate it. Yep. Thank you. I definitely so, hate it. What word should I'll take I spooky? What word should no, I use instead of spooky? No, come on. Okay, so we had a conversation beforehand about what the episode was going to be named, and the Wave Back episode is a spooky special because we like alliterations. We're all bunch of uh, Stan Lee's over here. Um, but I said this episode, the word spooky should not appear in it because I feel that the music's more on a serious side. You know, it's a more serious thing. Spooky to me, you know, infers like lighthearted fun, right? Uh, you spooky. I don't care. I'm not the yeah, word. I'm, I'm, trying to th- I'm trying to think of another word that would better describe it. Because no. like, you're- I want to go with it's not eerie, right? It's not it's scary. It, yeah, it's just goth. It's, yeah, all right, all right. It's the it's the grandfather of goth music. Like, okay, so when I was younger, playing in my band and and going to clubs, I would go to a goth club called the Bat Cave. Um, well, that was the night. It was a place called Albion. Um, the place had three floors, and each floor had a different quote unquote vibe. The bottom floor was like aggressive industrial. Uh, which we'll hear a type of uh, song. If you're not familiar, we'll hear that later in the episode. The middle floor was like, um, I want to say like ethereal, which is what this kind of is. This ethereal, like navel gazing, shoe gazing, goth mm. kind of, you know, that sort of stuff. Sushi and the Banshees and, and things like that. And then the top floor was more of like, an eclectic mix of rock industry. You'd hear like Nine Inch Nails and Rammstein and Ministry, maybe some Static X. I don't know. You know, it was a very, so this is what you would hear in that middle ethereal floor. Uh, fun fact, I remember being in the <laughs> ethereal floor and uh, standing in a corner like you do. And uh, they had a disco ball that they were projecting red lights on. So the floor had these red light mirror reflections. My brain somehow hooked onto the, the lights of the floor on the floor. And for about two seconds, um, I was tripping out because my brain thought the motion of the lights was the actual floor and that the room was spinning. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I wasn't, I was, I was poor, so I wasn't drinking. So I was stone sober. <laughs> so <laughs> that is the thing. Any hoozle. We're going to move on to our second track. Uh, what would a Halloween episode be without a song entitled Halloween? What would a Halloween episode be without a song from a band named The Misfits? I mean, if if, if you're a music fan and you, you don't know who The Misfits are, I'm, I'm not really quite sure what to do with you. 
I feel like the Misfits have been around. I mean, they've been around since the late 70s. Uh, but if you don't know them by now, they've influenced so many other bands from punk to metal. Metallica's covered them a bunch. Uh, you know, just, Even just I so know influential. Come on. <laughs> yeah. The original lineup being Glenn Danzig, um, uh, uh, Jerry Only, Doyle, and uh, Sugar Robo. It's Robo. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, we're going to listen to Halloween off of the uh, Legacy of Brutality record from 1985 by the misfits it's short i did you the favor i gave you a long one to give you a short one here it is enjoy Halloween by Misfits off of uh, 1985's Legacy of Brutality. Uh, you have familiarity with the Misfits, so I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, it was very Halloweeny. <laughs> that reminds me of a great joke. Why? Uh, why can't witches have babies? Uh, I don't know why. They have Halloweenies. <laughs> so oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. I see myself out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um yeah the misfits had such a short stint together as a group but they were so friggin' influential and um i'm such a huge fan of like the very piss poor recording qualities of like these old punk bands from the, the late 70s and the early 80s that there are times that i i've sat around and i listen to you know newer punk records like bad religion's a great example they started in the the 80s and the recording quality is just like this and they've been going for almost 40 years now. Um, and they, their modern, their more modern records are like so crisp and clean. And, and part of me is like, uh, uh, yeah, this is, this is cool. This is pretty cool, I guess. But I like the dirty, you know, DIY punk sound. The Misfits are like no shortage of it until you get into um, 
the American Psycho and and Beyond records with uh, Michael Graves and stuff, which are great. I love Michael Graves as a vocalist, and there's some really great stuff on the American Psycho record. But uh, you know, got to go with the OGs, the Misfits, and again, another influential, massively influential band like Bauhaus. Yeah, it's uh, I like that very raw quality to it too. I, I'm a big fan of that sound, that sound quality. I I know fellers who are like once they get to a certain point in their musical careers, I suppose like that they can all, they can't listen to stuff. That's this unpolished because it, all you hear are the faults. And mm-hmm. I genuinely pity that kind of per- that, that I genuinely pity that situation because I would never want to be that. I would never want to be in that point where you can only hear the faults and not hear the, uh, the whole, which is what this is, is, you know, of course it's, it's full of little tiny imperfections and stuff. That's what makes it so darn good to begin with. Uh, it was a fun track. Nice high energy. Thumbs up. <laughs> I, I I have to agree with you uh, about the whole like I, I pity those guys that can't look past the faults and the flaws. It's what it's what makes that sound and scene what it is. Why the seventies and the eighties were such a great time for punk. But I digress. Uh, moving right along. When I made the joke about the um, soundtrack to uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, um, I was also thinking about a couple of other records that would just be like, you know, fish in a barrel. Um, and the Crow soundtrack is one of them. Like, mm. you you couldn't, you really couldn't be a goth kid in the 90s if you didn't, like, paint your face like the Crow at some point, right? Like, you'd get your goth card revoked um <laughs> the the movie you know the 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 story surrounding the movie un- unfortunately brandon lee's uh, untimely demise um you know the 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 painstaking efforts they went to to complete the movie um and then just the movie itself it holds such a a high regard for a lot of you know <laughs> goth heads like me old goth heads and stuff uh, but the soundtrack if the movie and the legacy of Brandon Lee and, and Eric Draven are enduring, the soundtrack is the is the tip of that spear. This soundtrack in my life has been in constant rotation. There, every track on this album is so good. It's just it's literally like the soundtrack to the 90s goth kid, right? Everything on it. Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, Pantera. My life with real kill cult, just uh, everything just hits well. Um, but for for the 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 track I'm about to play, this is the tip of the spear for that record. Um, the Cure wrote this song specifically for this uh, movie, and uh, I didn't know that until yesterday. Um, so we're gonna listen to "Burn" by The Cure off the Crow original motion picture soundtrack from 1994. If this doesn't make you want to put on black lipstick and and cut thumb holes into your sweater, I don't know what will. Enjoy.
And it starts like it ends with the crow crowing in the background. How on brand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was burned by The Cure for Crow Original Motion Picture Soundtrack 1994 release. Um, I got this thing on CD and I swear it didn't leave my CD player for two, three, four, five months. Um, when we used to carry around CDs to listen to <laughs> in headphones, it was in constant rotation. Um, I know just about every lyric on that dang record. Um, to this day, I'm still finding out little bits of information about, you know, the movie, the, the, the recording, the tracks on the record. And, and it always excites me. Um, the Crow, of course, based on the original comic book by J.O. Barr. Uh, fantastic, often duplicated, never replicated. Um, what'd you think of that, Chris? Oh, I uh, loved that song. I also had the Crow soundtrack and played the ever loving heck out of it. I had adored the original Crow movie. It was mm -hmm. definitely among my favorite movies for a very long time. It's such a good movie. Uh, <clears throat> my friends and I actually... So we used to dress up in goofy costumes to go to superhero movies uh, in, the, in the theaters. <laughs> and um, it's kind of a, astonishing that it got way out of hand at a certain point. Like It got uh, to the point where uh, my friend Sean actually uh, wore stilts uh, to, for a Galactus costume. Uh, <laughs> which for a uh, cow. Yeah, we went so far overboard with the with these costumes, but but and the the group just kept getting bigger and bigger until I think like it was one of the, the the Superman Returns. I think was we had like almost fifty people with us in costume. Holy it was crap. just ridiculous. Um, but it started with the Crow City of Angels. Uh, we were it was just a group of I think like maybe eight of us, and we were so excited. For this movie because we all loved the first crow movie mm. and uh <clears throat> we all decided to dress up like the crow for the movie and i had i had longish hair at the time so it kind of kind of worked uh mm -hmm. it was it was a lot of fun walking around the mall uh beforehand and people just looking at us like what the hell is going on over there <laughs> it was yeah. just like a group of us dressed up like the crow with the face paint and everything and then um and then we saw the movie <laughs> mm-hmm I think like part of the way through, I can't remember which one of us did it, but like one of our one of us just stood up in the theater like, well, this is fucking awful. Mm. <laughs> and everyone in the theater was like, right? This is so bad. Wow. God. I've never seen a movie theater turn on a movie. That's impressive. Yeah. The whole theater is like, this is this is not good. I hated that movie so much. Yeah. It it's a real shame. I mean, J.O. Barr has since written other crow story arcs involving different uh, protagonists, um, and they're good. I mean, they come from the main source, right? But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when uh, when Hollywood, especially in the late 90s, sinks its teeth into something and buys the franchise tag, they wring it out. However, I will say, the only thing the crow movies had going for it that, uh, you know, not including part one, uh, Two, two and three were very bad. Uh, the soundtracks were all amazing. Right. The second Crow soundtrack has a lot of good stuff on it. The third Crow soundtrack has a lot of good stuff on it. Um, they did, whoever the music supervisor was, like hats off to them. They did a great job. Um, this one though, pulling back yeah. to this one, like this, this particular song by The Cure was 
just so perfect. Like as as soon as it kicks up, I'm like right back to the scene with him in the mirror painting his face. Mm-hmm. Just mm, it fit in this movie so 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 well. This whole soundtrack was so good. Like Dead Souls by Nine Inch Nails and uh. oh, such good stuff. Um, but yeah, this song. I, when I saw you picked this one, I was like, yes, yes. I haven't heard this song in way too long. This is such yes. Uh, no, great pick. Love, love this tune. I love everything about it. I love The Cure. The Cure is freaking great. Yes. Um, I should know more of The Cure. I don't know a ton of them outside of yeah. their hits, but like they have so many hits, like they're like their greatest hits album is just one of the best albums, period. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're a phenomenal band. And this was, I didn't know this yeah. was written specifically for this movie either, but it makes total sense. You know, when you listen yeah. to it, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That that totally tracks. I uh, love that The Cure is able to create such a soundscape because, you know, others, you know, you listen, we just listened to uh, Halloween by Misfits and it's just simple. It's guitars, bass, drums, vocals, straight ahead, pedal to the metal, right? You get the, the Cure. They come in and they create this beautiful, lush soundscape of, you know, that their their keyboards just fill in the space. The bass has just got this nice tone. The guitar is less is more. The, and, you know, Robert Smith's got such a great voice. It's, it all comes together so beautifully. And I think that's apart from its intrinsic ties to the, mu- the movie, I think the song, if stood on its own, is just a wonderful piece of music without those images. It just it creates a whole picture in your head. Unfortunately, all you know, for all of us who have seen The Crow, it's it's intrinsically tied together that you see the images of Brandon Lee, Eric Draven, you know, the big mirror, the smashed wind, you know, there's so much to it. But uh, such a just a sonic piece of cheesecake, like mwah. wonderfully done. Well picked. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the next track we're going to listen to, in my opinion, is the goth club staple. Um, this song, I remember <laughs> Long before there was the internet and, and Shazam, I remember hearing the song for the first time and thinking, this is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard written. And like the chorus got stuck in my head and I was singing it for days and days. And I'm like, I don't know who this song's by. I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know the name of the song. Uh, you know, and for years, I remember just kind of putting it on the mental shelf and going, well, like, I'll find it someday. It has to appear again, right? Um. And then the day I found it, I was so it was like Christmas Day for me. I was so elated. Um, this is a song that uh, that again, such a staple, not just in goth, but like in the goth community and the industrial community. It's like this weird song where I think everyone comes together and they're like, no, 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 this is a great song. I'm talking about Another World by B. Born Benton. Um, this comes off the 1997 release Truth and. This is going to be a departure of uh, some sort. It will be uh, very, uh, very danceable. So if you're driving, please be safe. This is Another World by Benton Beborn. Beborn Benton. <laughs>
Another World by B-Born Benton off of the 1997 release, Truth. Chris? Oh, I've never heard that before, but that was fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. It started, like it's, it started off, and I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of doing some little work in the background here. But man, once that chorus kicked in, I actually like sat up and I cranked the volume. was like... Oh, this is magnificent! What a what right? a what a, a a catchy chorus, man! That was so good. That was awesome. I've never, you know, like I I hear, I listen to a lot of music, and I've I've listened to a lot of music over the years. This one song somehow magically captures a chorus, like the way a chorus should be a hook, and really, really does it so well, like lightning in a bottle. This is now you can see why this was stuck in my head for ye- literal years. <laughs> so with no knowledge. Stuck in my head for years. Oh, I'm so glad it... you found out what it was. Yeah. Oh, I have I have a I have a story like that where there was a song stuck in my head for years. Oh, I have uh-huh. a story. I have a story about that. I might do an episode on that band though. So, uh, oh, maybe okay. I'll save maybe I'll save that story for the future. Yeah. But, awesome. Uh, but um, yeah, similar situation. I heard a song, and it was just in my head, and nobody knew what I was talking about. It's mm-hmm. like, anyway, yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so, uh, uh, B-Born Benton is from Germany, and um, they they started up in 89. I feel like a lot of the German groups, especially if you listen to, you know, industrial like I do, uh, you're familiar with a lot of those, like, very industrial, electronic. So, you know, a good portion of them are aggressive. 
Um, they all kind of have some, like a similar story. So apparently the word be born has no particular meaning as I'm reading it from my uh, super secret confident uh, informant at Wikipedia. Uh, while Benton, B-E-T-O-N, is German for concrete, which according to the band refers to the urban environment in which they grew up. Now, obviously, post-war Germany uh, was a very different place and, you know, it was carved up by all the, quote, the allied forces and stuff like that. The wall created a lot of discourse and stuff bands like Rammstein talk you know they they're they're all mutual upbringing in in that post-war Germany has led to the shape and sound of this type of music now these guys are considered synth pop and EBM which is electron uh electric body movement not to be confused with EDM which is electronic dance music um I might have my acronyms wrong but whatever come at me bro uh <laughs> But they all, you know, they all kind of have the same, I don't know, I, 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 uh, macabre, the same dark, the same, uh, you know, existential lyrical content, thought process, you know, and, and that's the stuff I gravitate towards, obviously, as, as we progress through the show, you'll obviously get a feel for both Chris and, and myself's musical tastes and thusly our personality so yeah this song the minute the minute this song would come on in the club the dance floor was immediately full you didn't know there were that many people in the club until this song came on it was you know it's such a huge hit it slaps as the kids say <laughs> and i'm glad you enjoyed it I'm, I'm glad you uh really enjoyed it loved it this next track um so i was putting tracks together for this record for this uh record <laughs> imagine i was putting tracks together for this episode and i had handwritten a list a long time ago when you and i first discussed the concept of doing this uh, episode and you know a lot of the bands that i had or a lot of the artists i had on that list were like metal artists and i was like did i pick them because the music is scary like it's a massively aggressive blast beats and things like that or did i pick them because they fit the bill so I had to go look for something. I had a track. I got up and I went to my CD collection and I was thumbing through it. And uh, I came across this artist and I, I, I hit myself. I literally slapped myself in the forehead like, how did I not think of this song? This song is one of my all-time favorite written and recorded songs. Hands down, bar none, top 10, if not top 5. Um, I... I I said I I I was just flabbergasted at myself. Um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Now, <laughs> Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. If you're a fan, you're really a fan. They're very polarizing, right? Uh, their music can be very out there, uh, very avant-garde-ish, very artistic, perhaps. But but in every record, there's a track or two that just stands out so hard, and you get. You get these great singles, and I, I'm not trying to dilute Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, you know, artistic uh, talents, uh, and and boil them down to one or two songs to for the for the episode. But this one song, like where I work, we have uh, I work at a racetrack, so there's horse racing. There's a horse by this name. If there, if the universe was telling me anything, I wasn't listening. So when I came across my Nick Cave records, I went, oh, my God, I have to put up Red Right Hand. 
this song appears on the Let Love In 1994 release by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It appears on um, songs in the key of X, music from and inspired by the X-Files in 96. This song has been everywhere. Horror movies, you name it, it's, it's been there. It has such... Uh, I, I'm going to let the song do the talking for it, and then I'll gush over it afterwards. This is Red Right Hand. This is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. You're going to enjoy this. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as it ships and cracks where secrets lie in the border fires and the humming wires. Yeah, man, you know you're never coming back. Past the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand.
never heard that whole song before i've heard it in a number of things but i don't think i've ever actually just heard the song by itself it's friggin marvelous this yeah just good good nice again i gotta go with the word spooky it did it, that hits sure. the word spooky for me um it's it's you know a little theremin bit towards the mm-hmm. end there it's like it's just it's just checking off all the uh all the right things. This is kind of like a haunted Western almost uh, vibe mm-hmm. to it. It's just, just what a, what a good song. What a good song. Haunted Western is a really great way to explain this song to someone who's never heard it before. <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely. One of my favorite parts of the whole song is every time he says red, right hand, there's that bell, the, the, the taco bell. bell. Oh man. Come on now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll let you use spooky, but I draw a line at taco bell. <laughs> No, I, I God, Taco it, Bell is. I'm so just obs- bad. <laughs> I'm I'm just upset. I didn't think of that joke first. <laughs> no, um, yeah, the church bell. It's like, yeah, that that's really really cool. Uh, every yeah, a, again, everything about it is super cool. But it, it definitely reminded me of like, especially the bell. You know, I'd hear the bell and I'd be like, there's like a, a somebody doing a, uh, showdown. It's the like a, yeah, draw. What's that? Is showdown? Is that the right word? A shootout? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah, wonderful. Yeah, we're two smart guys that know things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Vocabulary is totally. I'm I'm totally not super tired with my vocabulary failing me right now. No, no. Eleven twenty in the morning. I'm wide awake, <laughs> like a responsible adult. Look at you. Look at us. No, that was uh, that was also a song that really fell into a very cool groove. Like that was um, mm-hmm. it was a very. I don't know if relaxing is the right word, but it was not like a, it was, it's got a nice, yeah, it's it's got got a a nice nice plotting pace, nice chill groove to it. It's very, yeah, that, that baseline just walks and like you, as a listener, you walk with it, but there was also that something kind of unnerving about it. And, and, you know, and that's the song, right? Like, um, again, going to my super secret informant Wikipedia, uh, (laughs) You know, they they talk about the actual term red right hand comes from uh, John Milton's uh, Paradise Lost, which refers to the vengeful hand of God. Right. Um, at some point, uh, someone see co-writer Mark Harvey recalled the song originating during the songwriting process during the band's 94 album, Let Love In. The lyrics describe a, quote, shadowy, alluring, manipulative figure stalking the land and striking a combination of fear and awe everywhere he goes end quote, who is, quote, seemingly part deity and part demon. I mean, <laughs> I think it's great. And then uh, just a point of note, um, Nick, quote, 
filled an entire notebook, end quote, with descriptions of the town the song was set in, including maps and sketches of prominent buildings, virtually none of which made it into the lyrics. Cave later said that the town and landscape depicted in the song were a, quote, reconstruction, reconstructed, excuse me, version of, oh man, Juan Garada, his hometown, he's Australian. Um, to put that much effort and energy into, you know, this song, um, Wikipedia claims that genres Southern goth, Gothic, Goth folk, Goth rock, and blues. I think it ticks all those boxes. When I hear this song, though, like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, but I think that's because the Undertaker's theme song has a gong bell in it, too, and that makes my hair stand up. And maybe oh. that's, you know, for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Like that sort of stuff all just kind of wrapped into one is like, whew. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was so upset with myself that I didn't think of this song sooner, but I'm so happy that I got to stick it in here. Um, switching gears now, one of the things I was trying to do with this episode was kind of um, not roller coaster, but, you know, up and down, up and down. Right. We've got the opening with Bella Lugosi's Dead, which is nice and long and chill. Then you get the short uh, blast of, of the, the misfits. Um, and we just and I tried to keep that kind of going. Um, next song, no shortage of upage. Um, my original list had both these artists on it. And then when it came time to think of songs for them, I said, well, you know, I don't know because I would actually like to do an episode on, on each artist. So I wanted to go and pick a song that, um, wasn't going to probably make the episode. Um, I'm talking about hand of death comes off the songs in the key of X music from, and inspired by the X-Files from 1996, which as I said, Red Right Hand also appears on. Red Right Hand was actually the inspiration for the entire record. It wasn't an X-Files episode. Um, Hand of Death by Rob Zombie and his mentor, Alice Cooper. Um, future, we'll, we'll see episodes uh, by those artists. I, the song, yeah, all right. Hands, <laughs> Hands of Death, Burn Baby Burn, Rob Zombie, Alice Cooper. Enjoy.
That was Hands Death Burn Baby Burn by Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper off of the Songs in the Key of X music from and inspired by the X-Files. That to me is the perfect culmination of two great uh, music legacies coming together, Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie. It, it's like Alice Cooper is um, playing at Rob Zombie's house because, you know, if you're familiar with Rob Zombie uh, as a solo artist, his early stuff definitely sounds alike, a lot like that's in the same vein. Uh, I've noticed actually uh, chord progressions that appear elsewhere in, in Rob Zombie solo music. So uh, it's very uh, indicative of Rob Zombie. And I'm, I'm sure Scott Humphrey worked on it as well, because when Rob went solo, that was kind of his um, collaborator for a lot of, um, you know, Rob solo stuff. So. Anyway, uh, how'd that grab you, Chris? That was pretty good. Um, it did remind me, I remember I said earlier that my daughter Ellie was really into a, a Flying Purple People Eater and the Monster Mash. Uh, she's also really into Living Dead Girl. Ah, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, it's got this, a great, that one's got a great swing. It does. This kind of reminded me a, a little bit of that. This was really interesting. I was unfamiliar with this one, and it was neat to kind of hear... Like, I don't know a ton of Alice Cooper, but I think I know enough to kind of like get his style. And mm -hmm. it was really interesting hearing like exactly what you said. It's like him playing at Rob's house. So like, it's like a Rob Zombie song, but I could hear those kind of like Alice Cooper flavors that I can't really put into, can't really articulate it too well, but it definitely yeah. is a, it was a neat little combo there. It was, this, it was a cool song. Um, interesting bit of trivia to tie in back to the crow. Cause again, it's Halloween and why not tie back to the crow? Um, because we're talking about Rob Zombie. Um, Rob Zombie was actually supposed to make his directorial debut on a Crow film. Um, he had written a script, which I have yet to attempt to get my hands on because I've always wanted to read it, but it was going to be called The Crow 2037. And um, it was supposed to, you know, obviously take place in the future, but it was like, I think it was about some cowboy or something. It was just a really interesting kind of story surrounding it um it got canned and uh supposedly the the script is online somewhere uh one day when i'm i've got nothing to do which is never i'll i'll look it up but you know to tie it all together um one all big small macabre universe i suppose um yeah when that song came out though i i like i had to buy songs in the key of x i was so obsessed with white zombie and rob zombie that everything he released i had to get um, there's a lot of other great tracks on that songs the X to the Foo Fighters doing down in the park. Fantastic cover. Uh, uh, there's a soul coughing song. Um, it's just great stuff. There's even a hidden track on that song that doesn't appear at the ends of the record. The most random thing, and I don't know how they did it was they put a, an, a track before the opening track. So when you put the CD in your player and you press play, you hear whatever the first song is, which, of course, I, I don't know what it is at the moment. Um, but uh, there's a song uh, that uh, exists before. So you had to, like, rewind the CD. So you put it in press play and then you'd hold the rewind button. Um, and that's, oh, that's how you interesting. Would, yeah. You, and that's how you found this song. Let me see if I can. Yeah. It was track zero. It was a Nick Cave. It was a song by Nick Cave and the Dirty Three. And it's 10 minutes long. 
and it's in Latin. Time gesum transetum et non revertium. Uh, while we look into the next, while we listen to the next track, I will translate that. <laughs> so yeah, oh yeah. See, so a listener would eventually actually manually rewind the CD a full nine minutes to hear the hidden track. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that's not all CDs or DVD players would allow to rewind. Yeah, as as the track really making you earn it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As uh, as these tracks wait to these tracks as this violates Red Book standards. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Anyway, moving on to our next track. Um, so I had originally put a different song here. I won't mention what it is because I thought, you know, that's a great song, and it is right. You you knew what song it was. Great song, great band. But I don't know. I thought maybe it was a little too on the nose for Halloween. Like Purple People Eater, like I said, is on one of those lists. That song was also on one of these lists. Um, and I had forgotten that I had wanted to do this uh, this particular band. So the band is called, uh, and I lost my notes. That's a weird name for a band. Yeah, it is. Uh, they only had three records. No. <laughs> the band is called uh, The Ghastly Ones. And the way these guys got their start was with Rob Zombie. It all, this, all this stuff ties together. Um, Rob Zombie had discovered them at some point playing somewhere, and he uh, signed them to his record label, Zombie Agogo, which was a, a, a subdivision of uh, Geffen. And he put out their first record. But um, he put out a record called Halloween Hootenanny, which included a track from the Ghastly Ones, bands like the Boombaras, Southern Culture on the Skids, a lot of stuff that like fell in the vein of the music this band does and also had a horror element to it. Though Southern Culture on the Skids wasn't necessarily a horror band. They were out there enough to be like, yeah, you guys can come hang out at the horror house. Um, the song is called... <laughs> I'm gonna screw this up because I've been saying it all night correctly, and now when I when I have to do it, I'm I'm gonna mess it up. Uh, Diabolo's theme. Uh, it's off of 1997's "A Haunting We Will Go," uh, and it's by the Ghastly Ones. Enjoy. <laughs>
that was Diabolo's theme <laughs> from Ghastly Ones off of a Haunting We Will Go. How'd that grab you, Chris? It was, it was the perfect spooky surf rock song. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Just wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny how uh, they're a surf rock band with a horror theme because I've always felt somehow um, surf rock had a horror undertone to it. Oh, yeah, the if... monsters. No. Right, right. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it's because of shows like The Monsters. I don't know if it's because, um, you know, horror films from the 50s and on, that was kind of the new wave of music to, so to, to some extent, so to speak, and those songs appeared, right? Sure, you get like Beach Blanket Bingo, but then, you know, you get something like The Monsters, which is campy and kitschy. Um. I don't know how to kind of piece it all together, but like the organ in there, the organ definitely was playing a, a very similar monsters. Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Get, yeah. You get the themes. Dun, 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 you know, um, and, and they do a lot of that. Uh, the record of haunting. We will go is a great record. Uh, I will say, however, you have to really like surf rock because it's, Oh, I think it's like 20 tracks of surf rock and only one has vocals. Although there is um there is a song called uh uh Hangman Hang Ten <laughs> and um in the middle of it they just break and they go Hangman dun dun hang ten <laughs> and that almost made the episode, but I, I thought this one was a little more uh, suited for the for the episode. A bunch of talented guys though, they went on to do a couple different a uh, couple of uh, records rather. Um but you know it's it's like ska, it's very niche, so not a ton of radio play and you know that sort of thing. So um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, now that was a, gonna... that was a really fun, that was a really fun song. I liked that one a lot. Yeah. It's something that if it comes on a playlist somewhere, I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. But I, I own a haunting, we will go. And I think I maybe listened to it all the way through once. Just, <laughs> you know, a little goes a long way. Right. So, and speaking of a long way, I apologize once again for another long track. Um, I'm a big fan of this band, this next band. I, I, in theory, I want to do an episode about them, but I don't know that. I don't know that it makes sense. Maybe I don't know. I might, I might reconsider later down the line. We'll see. Um, the next song comes from a band that uh, has been very influential. Um, they were a staple on their record label for many, many, many years uh, out of Brooklyn. So there's a small part of me that's like, yeah, hometown heroes. I'm talking about typo negative. Um, <laughs> they are probably the quintessential like goth rock metal band. I think when when you look up the word goth rock metal, they their picture comes up. Peter Steele was a larger than life frontman and character um, who unfortunately passed away uh, many years ago. Um, I met. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I have a story where I met John Tempesta of, of Testament and white zombie fame. And I thought he was actually John Kelly, who was the drummer for typo negative. And it turns out that they're really good friends. And he just he thought I was hysterical. And he was also drunk, too. He thought I was really, really funny. But that's a story for another day. Um, 
The song is probably their most popular song. It's probably their most wide known song. I'm talking about uh, Black Number One, Little Miss Scarol. Um, when I picked this song, I said, you know what? This is quintessential goth metal. This is something that I would expect to hear on a goth night somewhere. I also forgot that it's an 11 minute song, but I'm knuckling down and, and we're going to listen to it. So, um, like I said, it's black number one. It's from Typo Negative. It's off their 1993 release, Bloody Kisses. And let's give it a listen. I went looking for trouble. And boy, I found her. She's in love with herself. She likes the dark. And on her milk white neck, the devil's mark. Now it's all hollows here. The moon is full. Or will she trick or treat? I bet she will.
That was Black Number One, Little Miss Scare All by Type O Negative off the 1993 release, Bloody Kisses. That record was a certified platinum album for the band and for Roadrunner Records. It was their first time ever having uh, that massive of a success for them. Little known record company at the time, which would eventually blow up to be um, a mainstay in my catalog. Um, Chris, how'd you feel about that epic 11 minute (laughs) track? this guy sing the song with fake vampire teeth in his mouth? No. Because that's kind of what it sounded like in the beginning. He actually, uh, according to legend, had his fa- fangs filed down into fang. Good Lord. His canines were <laughs> filed down. Uh, you know, they, they leaned into the shtick a little bit. Um, you know, he ro- rolls his R's and he yes, very sings bad. like the... Yeah, there's very a lot of Lugosi. leaning... There's a lot of leaning into the shtick. Um, my uh, best friend growing up was a huge Typo Negative fan, and he got um, the Typo Negative DVDs. And we watched them. We're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Then we discovered that they had commentary tracks from the band. It took it to a whole other level. If you really want to know what like Typo Negative was about, you should find these DVDs and listen solely watch it solely with the um the band's commentary i kid you not i've never laughed harder in my entire lifetime we'd had to pause it because we were crying and we couldn't hear what they were saying we had to pause it every so like an hour and a half dvd took about three four hours to watch and they're so self-deprecating and they just trash talk each other and they shit on themselves and (laughs) but then they go out and they make you know these really um deep songs like the whole band was you know about the darker things you know romance love and loss and you know (laughs) i'm still on the fence about maybe doing an episode about them and i i think i'm i think i just might so we'll get a full birth of their work and you'll get to you'll see some of their humor um and you'll see some of how how deep they can get but uh, anyway i'm sorry i i totally cut you off go ahead uh no no i was uh that was all interesting um context uh not realizing that real learning that this is not intended to be that self-serious makes a little more sense mm-hmm. while you were chuckling earlier in the song um, yeah i it's been a while since i've listened to it and he does all those things you know all the milk white neck like the over pronunciation yeah. <laughs> and like the lyric content and stuff, you know, the, the rolling of the R's, the very Bella Lugosi's, I want to suck your blood. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hokey. But I, I, I can't say that I was all that grabbed by it. Uh, I, yeah. I, I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't like in, enthused by it. But yeah, perhaps no, it needs it. time to grow on me. Uh, that bass line is so friggin' infectious. Um, I remember I used to sound check with it when uh, my huh. band would play out. Or like if there was a moment of nothing happening, like somebody broke a string or something, I would just start playing it and, and people's eyes would light up. I'd see them like, oh my God, is that, you know, and I'd, I'd play it a little bit and then we'd just dive into whatever's next and, you know, disappoint them. Because <laughs> it's such a, such a friggin' popular song, right? Um, so... Yeah, I mean the eleven minute epi- episodic tale is is something, right? It goes all over the place. Uh, it 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 in my opinion it showcases just how talented their um their keyboardist uh, was or is. He's still alive. Um, 
just how they came together to create these these soundscapes that you know there was very much deep tongue and cheek in them they they earned the nickname the drab four i just found out and i think that's <laughs> fucking hysterical they their best um their um greatest hits album is called the least worst of you know and like all their all their the cover out art for uh their later records um it's like the Brooklyn Bridge and the sky is their color green. They have a very like specific color green. Their their band was like black and green all the time. The 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 least worst of was the um the parachute drop at Coney Island with a green sky. So like I can't hate these guys because they're like they're the neighborhood guys that just got kind of famous, but they always stayed the neighborhood guys. Um, you know, so huh. yeah, yeah well, that, typo with that's a really interesting interesting situation there i i i did not know any of that context uh mm -hmm. it kind of sheds a, a different light on that song very interesting yeah i i understand typo isn't it for everybody and it took me a while to kind of come around to them too my wife is a huge typo negative fan and i always made fun of her for being like oh you're so goth you love typo <laughs> negative Ooh, you know just to kind of razz her a little bit um but there's you know they're multifaceted. There's a lot to them. Their cover songs are just so all over the map. Um, I I would like to do an episode where we do um, cover songs. That could uh, be fun. Yeah, I already I have a growing list, and Typo Negative <laughs> is absolutely on that list. I won't say what cover song because it's so <laughs> whatever. But um, really eclectic uh, a group of guys that put together quite uh, quite a birth of work. So. Huh. Uh, speaking of, no, that didn't work. <laughs> I was gonna say, speaking of eccentric, this next song, wow. Um, this is a song that always ends up on all the lists of Halloween music, right? But for good reason. The song has been covered to death. Um, my personal favorite is Nina Simone, but Manson did an okay cover. <laughs> um. I'm talking about I Put a Spell on You by Screaming Jay Hawkins. Screaming Jay Hawkins for a long, long time, I felt like didn't get uh, some of the shine that he should have. Um, I think he was a brilliant man that understood how to make money. Because um, I feel like if you look at him now and you look at the way he performed in his career, you would think, oh, it's just shucking and jiving for the man, right? But I think he was a very smart man. I think he was a very talented musician. And I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He found, he found this very small window and managed to get himself in it. Um, I Put a Spell on You, the original, right, is a little whacked out. There's some elements of it that are like, how did this become a record on the radio? I guess given the time that it came out, it made sense. I don't know if we, we you know, if it were to come out now, it would it would get a strong radio play or, or what have you but i think it's one of those songs that uh has transcended uh time and become <coughs> excuse me and and become one of those songs that just is is a staple so without further ado coming off of the 1956 release at home with screaming jay hawkins it's i put a spell on you by none other than screaming jay hawkins <laughs> Put a spell on you. 
I Put a Spell on You by the immortal Screaming Jay Hawkins off a 1956 release at home with Screaming Jay Hawkins. Uh, Chris, I know you're familiar with that song. Yeah, yeah. That's on Karen's Halloween playlist. I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm reading something here. I wanted to, I wanted to double check a, a bit of information. And I came across this little uh, blurb, again, off my ultra super secret Don't Tell Anyone that I get my information from here, Wikipedia article that says uh, Hawkins originally intended to record. I put a spell on you as a quote, refined love song, a blues ballad. However, the producer Arnold Mixon quote, and this is the part that kills me brought in ribs and chicken and got everyone drunk. And we came out with this weird version. I don't even, I don't even remember making the record before I was just a normal blues singer. I was Jay's Jay Hawkins. It all sort of just <laughs> fell in place. I found out I could do more destroying a song and screaming it to death and quote Jay Hawkins's words, uh, not mine. So, I mean, look, I listened to this song and I'm just so blown away by his vocal range. Right. But his the, vocal ability is crazy. The vibrato in uh, when he just goes and he doesn't even belt it. He knocks it out of the park. Um, like his his talent, uh, you know. Like I, this is why I said before that I think that, you know, Screaming Jay Hawkins didn't quite get the shine that he d- deserved. I mean, like he said, I was just Jay Hawkins before, and now I'm Screaming Jay Hawkins now. If that's what it took to get the in, you know, the eyes on you, so be it. I mean, he made a hell of a career out of it. All the. <laughs> 
really like he could have made that song and called it a day. But then, you know, there's there's other songs in his repertoire that are just as mind boggling like. Um, but uh, I, I love the simple saxophone solo. I love the plunking like uh, I want to say it's a, a banjo. It's just it's another song that to me falls. Well, I should say the other songs fall in the vein of I Put a Spell on You, like Red Right Hand um, and the slow plodding, uh, you know, very intentionally composed pieces of music. Like something like I Put a Spell on You, I don't think um, is something that you you show up to band practice and like, hey, guys, I got this idea for a song. And you start playing it. This is something that like you sit down and you just let it flow out of you. And this is what you get. And you're like, holy cow, what the hell was that? I don't know, but it's great. You know, and it's made it's made such a an impact. Um, I want to say where's a Rolling Stone listed as uh, 313 in the top 500 greatest songs of all time. Um, uh, it was included in the basic record of library. Uh, I saw something that it was like one of the 100 most influential rock songs of all time. You know, uh, it's been covered a, a thousand times. Yeah. So I put a spell on you, Screaming Jay Hawkins. The first time I heard this song, that's what I want to talk about. First time I heard this song was on, <laughs> my mom sold Avon for a short period of time, which I think all moms did in the 80s. <laughs> um, my mom sold my Avon. My did and, too. See, my aunt did, my mom did. I think my aunt, uh, suckered my mom into it um anyway they had this vhs tape that i wanted and it was baseball's funniest bloopers it's like baseball sunny side up for the record i actually um threw it out years ago and i was thinking about it recently i found a copy on ebay and i bought it for two dollars so i own it again in it there's a sequence where they have like baseball bloopers and things obviously where like weird and funny things happen and they played this song so the first time I'm like 10 or 11 and I hear this song and it's that thing where like you don't know what you're listening to or you're seeing and it like it does a thing to you and you you don't know what it is, but you know that this is it to quote um, Faith No More. It's it. What is it? It's <laughs> it. You know what I mean? And you just go like, holy cow. And I've been obsessed with this song for years. And then you know, you get old enough and you start to do the research and you find out Scream Jay Hawkins, you find out some other music and I've just been such a fan ever since. Um, I just thought it'd be really funny if I told a story about owning a VHS copy of Baseball Funny Side Up. <laughs> so, that's why that's there. But yeah, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic song. Um, that brings us to the final song of the night. Um, how do I intro this song? This song is going to be very... I won't say very different. It's good. It's a departure from just about everything we've heard. Uh, maybe the closest thing is Hands of Death uh, by Zombie and Cooper. But this song is very much, to me, an amalgamation of a lot of my musical leanings, uh, what I reach for when I listen to uh, music. It all really exists in this one song. Very first time I heard this song, I think it was on a soundtrack for that D Snyder horror film, strange land. The minute I heard the opening kind of like, 
guitar chords, I thought, this is the heaviest thing I've ever heard. Nothing will ever top this. And I've been proven wrong at every turn. This band was one of my favorite bands of all time. They also are, um, well, the, the lead singer who is the band um, is a New York native. I think he's Long Island. And I'll, I'll tell an interesting story about uh, that later. I managed to get to see these guys at the Continental uh, probably like in 2001. Um, I was up. There wasn't a front row. I was right up against the stage. It was the most euphoric night I think I'd had in my life. Um, and I've done a lot of things since, but I will always remember that night. The song is called In League. It's by a band called Bile. It comes off of the 2000 release, Sex Reflex. Uh, I apologize in advance if I melt your speakers. Enjoy. Yeah. 
That was In League by New York-based Bile <laughs> off the album Sex Reflex from 2000. Um, I'm, I'm so, so curious what you have to say, Chris. I rather enjoyed that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it was a good time. That's a, you know, I think we've had this conversation about like music that come that that hits in that very uh, hits in that arena. And if you are off on your timing, then it sounds just like noise to me. Um, mm-hmm. And that did not sound like noise to me. I, there was nothing distracting <laughs> about. And I remember, just remember very specifically getting to like around the chorus time and being like, no, there's nothing distracting about the drums here that that's working. It doesn't sound like. Uh, construction equipment. It sounds like drums. <laughs> that's a. That's really that. That's what good. What gets me in a lot of music like that is when you hear it and it just starts to sound like construction sounds. Oh. It's like because if you're once you get that, once you get that fast paced with it, if anything's mm-hmm. even slightly slightly off, it's just it it just ruins everything in my head. Like once sure. it gets that complex, it just starts sounding like noise. And nothing here really just sounded like noise. And it was a. It's pretty like obviously it's not like my my style. I'm not gonna be like sure. kicking back and, and enjoying <laughs> this one. Uh, but your it's wife's a, gonna come down. And, what are you listening to? Oh, just kicking back, listening to the soothing sounds of bile. <laughs> She's gonna be like, oh, bile. The I love soothing bile. sounds of who doesn't love bile? A little bile in the morning. Mm. <laughs> What's a little bile between friends? <laughs> oh, I, I rather enjoyed it. I was I was uh, bopping my head the whole time. It was a good good track. I'm I'm really glad. I, to your point, we talked about this. I think with the uh, horse the band episode. Once you start hitting those blast beats and stuff, it can get um, very messy. And like you said, if you're off just a nanosecond, it's it's thrown into disarray. I think a lot of this stuff was um, originally recorded because it's really the main guy, Kristoff. He does like everything, and then he'll have a bunch of live musicians. But uh, if I'm not mistaken, everything is pretty much like. Uh, programmed, you know, synthesizers, drum machines, uh, things like that. Um, so I would imagine that that stuff's all quantized to a heavy degree because to be that noisy and that clean, which is kind of a contradiction, um, mm-hmm. you know, you you have to. You definitely have to. Um, the, the slightly bit of interesting uh, story I wanted to tell is uh, it's probably only been interesting to me, but um, when uh, my band was recording our first um ep we were out on long island and um uh george marshall the gentleman who was our engineer and owner of the studio he was running late but his uh buddy was in there and he was tracking us and he was a really nice guy and unfortunately i can't remember his name somehow or another he and i got to talking and it came out that he worked with Kristoff on a lot of the uh bile stuff and at the time like you couldn't tell me nothing. I was like, I was in awe. I was like, oh my God, you worked, oh, you worked on those records? Oh my God. You know, now 15 years later, or whatever, I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. You know, <laughs> like I can't think of the last time I've really reached for a bio record, even though I love this song so much. Um, I think one of the reasons why the song ended up on here is one, because it's like it it's grimy, it's it's got, you know, harsh overtones. It's, you know, the lyrical content's very dark and 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 stuff like that. Uh I saw the word sleazy thrown around. I got to agree. There's some kind of sleaziness to it. But uh, I think because it's uh, original ties to the D. Snyder horror film uh, Strange Land, you know, I think it it gives me a little of that, too. Their overall aesthetic, they would paint themselves like they'd be shirtless and they'd paint themselves with like black light paint. And then, 
you know, they just put on black lights and they blast beat you the whole night with this electronic stuff. And it was that was my peanut butter and jam, man. So that peanut was uh, jam. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris. Oh. Yes. I'm gonna a- I'm gonna ask you a question before we, oh. we get to the info dump. Okay. All right. I'm ready. How did this as a whole hit you? How does Halloween feel now that you've been enlightened by some of this stuff? I must say I'm uh, I'm definitely in the Halloween spirit right now. It's uh this was a very enjoyable time. I had a I knew a couple of the songs and uh the mm-hmm. ones that I didn't, I was largely very impressed by. This is uh this was this was good stuff. Definitely uh good for putting me in the Halloween spirit, which is a good thing since it's only uh a, a week away. Week away. And <laughs> uh well, a week away from when we're recording it yes. when you're all hearing this, uh, it's going to go live on Halloween, but yeah, I I I like this and if you can keep pulling songs, I'd like to keep the tradition alive next year. This was this was a really good time. I am so glad you said that because I already started making a list for next year. <laughs> I have about <laughs> six songs Excellent. already. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I'm I'm so glad that you know one of my favorite parts of the show is is being able to put music in front of each other and and walking away with you know positive experiences and and maybe even new fandoms. Right. So yeah, big fan. So here comes the big old info dump. We here at Turning Tracks are incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, and we love communicating with you when we can. And we have a couple of ways that you can do that. Um, there's the Geekade Discord channel in which we have a Turning Tracks chat, where we hope to discuss all manner of stuff relating to music and whatever our next episodes are going to be. And of course, you can always still send us uh, an email at mail at geekade.com. That's G-E-E-K-A-D-E.com. And while you're at it, Check out all our social media channels. You should definitely follow, like, subscribe if you haven't done that already. And if you haven't, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Turning Tracks and other Geek Aid podcasts are made possible thanks to the Geek Aid Patreon page. Their patrons can get access to monthly podcast topics, the recording schedules, get early access to most of Geek Aid shows, including this one, and much more. If you've ever enjoyed our podcast over the years, follow the link in the description and give it a look. We really appreciate it. Finally, as always, be sure to check out all the other great content we have on our site over at geekade.com. One more time, G-E-E-K-A-D-E, geekade.com. Now, Chris, I did. That's me. That is you. I I know that because it's written on your underwear. Um, (laughs) I believe... (laughs) Uh, that makes me Calvin Klein. Um, what, if I'm not mistaken, is your next episode? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna. It's my pick for the next episode since this this is technically counting for yours. Since unfortunately, yes. Dudes of Doom had to. Uh, yeah, that was a good episode, man. That was a bummer. But all right, we're gonna do we'll it again next year. It. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be our two year anniversary. It'll be fine. It'll be great. It'll be great. All right, I uh, I was really waffling back and forth, and I was kind of hoping that this episode was going to give me a give me some clarity. And nope, no, I'm not, not here so for much. That. No, all I'm right, not, I'm not so here to help. <laughs> I, I have to go with uh, I have to go with where my heart is right now. I was going to go with I, I've I've covered a couple of like the absolute pillars of my musical taste, uh, mm-hmm. but there are still a couple of like super important pillars that I haven't. Uh, gotten to yet but for some reason I am just really in the mood for this other band right now and seeing as I know you enjoy electronic type music I'm very okay. curious what you're going to think of this band Um, the band is called The Naked and Famous ah huh. 
Are you familiar with them? I feel like I've heard the name, so short answer, no. Hmm. Guess they're not that famous. They're probably very naked, but not that famous. <laughs> uh, this oh, uh, is... By the way, I'm very intrigued. Very oh. naked, not famous. Let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. No. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I've, I, I heard this band. Actually, I went to a concert for a band that I had never heard of, and mm. this band was the opening band, and I wound up liking both bands a whole hell of a lot. Uh, and I just recently discovered the rest of this band's catalog and I'm really curious what you're going to make of them. Cause it is, okay. it's a, it's definitely far more electronic than I think the other stuff you've heard from me looking back okay. on the episodes I've done. This is uh, a kind of a different, uh, a different vibe than what I think I've brought to the table thus far, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if you're going to be like, wow, this is trash or wow, this is fantastic. So <laughs> Every episode, I have an open mind, my friend. Fantastic. All right, then then that's what I'm going with. I'm going to hold off on my other ones, and we're going to do uh, episode 15 will be The Naked and Famous. All right. So you heard it here first, Naked and Famous, next episode from Chris. As is tradition with every Matt episode, I'm going to send you all off to go bump in the night with a track that has been recently remade to such a beautiful scale that it's almost unfair to the original. This final song from me... Uh, always comes with a dedication, and this episode's, episode's dedication goes out to everyone who has felt like an outcast from the norms of society, anyone who has embraced elements of life that don't fit the mold, anyone who has carved their own path to find themselves and has been made to feel bad for it. I'm talking about the misfits and the mavericks, the outliers and the nonconformists, the always quiets and the freaks. This song's lyrics resonate so hard with me when I think back on my formidable years, and to some extent still do as an adult. The song is Every Day is Halloween by Ministry, but it's the acoustic version. They just recently re-recorded an acoustic version with um, Dave Navarro and a couple other musicians. The original version would have made the episode, but I felt the acoustic version was the perfect song to end on uh, and would also make the perfect dedication. So, from us to you, everyone have a fun-filled Halloween Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Happy Halloween.